I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Saturday the 13th of June. Uh, yeah, recording on a Saturday. Normally we do it on a Sunday afternoon, but uh, this will be episode... I think I'm going to throw this one out as actually episode 17 because I've got uh, a little little um, surprise for some of our listeners which will come out in a couple of days' time. I, I was a guest on, on another podcast, um, yeah, with John LeBond. So that'll actually go up as episode 16 because we did a bit of a swap cast one on that one. So this one will go out with... Uh, uh, our guest today and Andy as episode 17 for the General Knowledge Podcast. Uh, so yeah, Andy has uh, joined me today. Andy, how you going, brother? If you find yourself... <laughs> if I can find, if I can find the there new button, I'll be going general. really good, General. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going really, really good, brother. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Looking forward to uh, today's show with Victor. Um, so much to talk about and uh, so much going on in the world. So yeah, man, looking forward, ready to dive in. Yeah, awesome stuff, man. And we don't have Ethan today. Ethan is uh, moving house once again. Uh, he's trying to keep the authorities in check. <laughs> trying to keep trying to keep them guessing so they don't find out where he lives. Uh, so yeah, he's moving house again. So no Ethan for this episode today, folks. Uh, but like Andy just mentioned, there we do have a special guest today. We've got uh, Victor Tay from ExercisingMyRights.com. Uh, he's joining us for a bit of a chat today, and we'll get right into into some questions and, and just find out who exactly is Victor Tay very shortly. But before we do, I uh, just want to let everyone know like uh, we've gone pretty good on the old website. I think I posted something up just recently. We've just passed the 20,000 downloads mark, which is awesome. Um, slightly, you know, just quietly proud of that one. I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, we're over 20,100 downloads now for the podcast in 39 episodes. This will be episode, well, this will probably be talked up, like I said, as episode 41, but never mind that. That's semantics. 
Uh, where have we got? A couple of our articles we're going to quickly go over today as well, and we'll get Victor's input on those. Uh, so head over to realnewsaustralia.com and check out the latest there. Uh, also head over to tottnews.com and check out a few that Ethan has been putting up during the week. Uh, now, like I said, we've got a special guest for this episode. We've got Victor Tay from exercisingmyrights.com. It's just .com, Victor. How are you going, brother? You're on mute still. There he is. How you doing, guys? It's good to be here with you. Yeah, it's exercisingmyrights.com. Dot com. So it's not awesome. dot com.au, it's exercisingmyrights.com. So that was the campaign about, you know, speaking against the lockdown. That's what that was about. Yeah, which is awesome. I'm sure all of our uh, listeners and people who follow us on social media have seen a lot of those videos that you've put up, um, as well as the <laughs> videos from the big freedom rally we had a couple of weeks ago as well, which was awesome. And we'll, we'll, we'll chat a bit about that shortly as well. But before we get okay. into that, let's just find out a little bit more about Victor Tay. We don't actually... actually First time I saw you was was when I caught a couple of your videos when you were you know doing your exercising around uh, Parliament House there in in, uh, in is it Sydney? It's Sydney, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. New yeah. South Wales Parliament House. It's in Macquarie Street. It's right. It's right next to Hyde Park. If people are wondering where it is, it's literally like a couple of minutes, like maybe two minutes walk from that famous fountain in the middle of Hyde Park. Yeah, it gives you your bearings. Awesome. Now, so obviously um, we'll get into the videos that you've been making shortly. But I mean, what what made you basically start doing this mate like what obviously people have a turning point where they're just going to start taking action on certain subjects that they feel important uh they you know they're passionate about what made you um you know start up this website and start doing these videos mate right well there's a couple for i mean i guess for your audience that don't know me i, I pastor an independent bible believing church in sydney so it's called the church in liverpool so if they're wondering where i sort of sprung up from that's that's who i am if they want to know more about that, they can go to the church's website. It's TCIL, so for the church in Liverpool, tcil.org.au. So um, for me, it was uh, when the coronavirus first came, I didn't really think much of it. I thought it would just be like every other sort of pandemic that comes and, you know, people freak out about it, but then you forget about it, just sort of like the other flus that have come and gone. Mm. Um, so when things, I think it was at the end of March, early April, is when things started getting really serious and in Australia they started closing down businesses and saying you needed a reasonable ex- excuse to go out so it was about then where it really affected us because um, that meant that we couldn't get together for church so the number I think dropped from 100 then it dropped to 50 or something and then uh, you know so at that time we were meeting outdoors for church and then they dropped it down where you couldn't even have outdoor gatherings you know unless you were going to exercise so that's where us as a church, we were thinking, well, well what do we do uh, about this? So if you're wondering what sort of tipped us off about it, because I, I didn't think that in my work, in my area of work, it, it didn't really affect me that much because in my day job, I just work for a company that sells school supplies and I can basically work from home. So where the lockdown really started to affect us was, well, now it's infringing on our right to exercise our religion in this country, which was, you know, gathering as a church. And obviously when you gather as a church, that's a, a public gathering of more than two people. So it was about a couple of weeks into that lockdown where uh, me and a couple of guys from church were thinking about what to do about it. So we were sort of going through the options and then that's when the conversation kind of went from, ah, well, you know, why don't we, we could organize a protest to just, you know, or, you know, organize a protest to take our stand and make a point and, you know, just go against it. But then we thought, well, you know, you don't even have the right to protest anymore because it's weird because this lockdown has made effectively made protesting illegal. Mm. So that conversation went from that to, well, what can we do under the laws? Well, you can 
exercise and you know you can't the laws don't tell you what you can carry and you know what 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 exercise equipment you can wear so that's sort of how that idea sprung up it was, that's right they, hey, they, well, they were really vague yeah. about it weren't they victor sorry to interrupt you there i just wanted to mm-hmm. touch on that quickly for the listeners because maybe a lot of people weren't too familiar with this but in the that sort of lockdown legislation that the government put out I know you even shared some screenshots of this in some of your videos, and you've got it on your website too, I believe, and you can actually yeah. read it for yourself. It, it It's so vague. It literally just says that you can go out for exercising, and that's all it says. They're, they're not, they don't specify any details on what that means, <laughs> and and I love that exactly. you exploited that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that was the idea was, well, because we were thinking, oh, what are the reasons? Because people don't understand. And this is why people kept criticizing me for what I was doing. They're saying, oh, well, it's not reasonable for you to exercise in the city. It's not reasonable for you to exercise in this way. And this is what people don't understand, that it wasn't about it being reasonable how or where you exercise. The, the law actually said that there were reasonable excuses why you could leave the home. So the fact that you're leaving you're exercising you can leave the home but where you went to and how you exercise it, it didn't matter whether you thought it was reasonable or not because it was about having a reason to leave the home so yeah we did sort of get on that and say hey well if we you know said we were exercising then we could leave the home it doesn't tell us what we can carry and where we can go so the so the idea was hopefully we could spark like a you know a fitness trend like a, a exercising trend where people did this and then that would sort of plant the idea for people to be able to express their opposition to the lockdowns in an environment where protesting was illegal. So, so that was the idea we were trying to plant. Because I knew that there were people out there that disagreed with the lockdown, right? So, you know, because you, you watch like videos on Sky News and you watch even on channel, on the, I can't remember, I think it's Channel 7 or Channel 9. One of those channels on YouTube allows comments. And when, you, when you're watching the videos during the lockdown, I mean, you see a lot of people saying, oh, this lockdown's silly and, mm-hmm. you know, the coronavirus. So a lot of people are questioning the data around coronavirus. You had a lot of experts coming out questioning it. Um, not only that, but it's an infringement on our God-given rights. And also, you know, people aren't really considering, like when they say, oh, we locked down, it just saves one life, it was worth it all. Yeah, but people aren't really considering the, the dev- this devastating impacts of closing down an economy and, and basically putting people out of the job, destroying their businesses and the health ramifications of that. Yeah. So I understand sort of that side of things because I think about economic stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understood that side of it. So I knew that eventually people would be rioting like in America and places because you can't stop people from making a living and expect them just to sit at home while their businesses and jobs are getting destroyed in their lives so yeah so what sort of what, what sort of surprised me is like you know this was going on for like maybe three or four weeks or two or three weeks and really even though there was a lot of complaints in the comments on these videos i really felt like there was no action happening in australia so that's why i thought okay well if i if we had this idea it was kind of you know sort of cheeky and sort of we could get around the law that maybe that would spark people to start speaking out against it. So that that was the idea. It was like, okay, maybe it's silly and maybe people would just make fun of it. But if people got what we were trying to do, really we were trying to encourage people to speak out if they disagreed with the lockdown and if they saw somebody speaking out against it and going against, you know, um, you know, sort of straddling the fence on the rules, then that would encourage more people to speak out, which it kind of did. It did kind of get people 
more excited about speaking against the lockdown, which was the goal that I had. So it wasn't really, the goal wasn't really just to do something forever. It was just to spark some, you know, spark a, a, a movement of people who were not happy with the lockdown to be more vocal about it. And, th- and I, th- I would say that that movement really took off. I mean, we were, I was definitely keeping an eye on those videos you were putting up and the streams and stuff. And, you know, the amount of people I saw, uh, you know, just uh, turning up to exercise with, um, you know, signs and T-shirts and all that sort of stuff and placards um, was was just getting more and more. You had a, you know, you had a bit of a following, even though, you know, they, you weren't technically organizing a rally or organizing a protest. You were abiding by the you know, the very vague rules that were there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, people started to join you. And it just really goes to show you how you don't really have to do a lot because there's a lot of people out there who feel the same. Isn't that right, Andy? You know, I mean, people are willing yeah, to join you, join you if you if you go along with that sort of um, momentum, yeah? Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe look, maybe I'm think... just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andy. No, that's okay, Victor. Um, no, yeah, look, I think a lot of people out there are looking for someone to, to you know, lead lead this movement and to actually organise things for them to go to and protest because there's a lot of there's a lot of like-minded people out there and, and really they're in a state of flux as to, as to what to do and how to express their opinion. And, yeah, I think both, both me and General thought that, like, your activism was was brilliant and like you said cheeky and and you know honest and you know safe and and um you know and and a, and a nice and a nice way to protest so yeah like clean messages too. yeah yeah and yeah clean messages about health and and all, and all sorts of things so no it was it was it was cool but um yeah, we need more of it. We need, you know, even to diversify and and uh, focus on different things. Probably, from my point of view, probably especially this uh, New South Wales Queensland border issue as well. I think that might be the next front. You know, uh, maybe you've got an opinion on that, Victor. I was in. Uh, is that where they closed down the borders? And well, I think Pauline Hanson is heading that up. Isn't it? Or is it Clive Palmer heading up that High Court uh, challenge? Both of them are. Yeah, well, yeah, Malcolm Roberts and, and uh, Pauline Hanson uh, from the uh, One Nation Party are, are making a uh, challenge uh, to the High Court for, um, you know, reopening the, the borders. Um, and, of course, Clive Palmer's um, waiting in with his, his money as well. So uh, it's interesting times. It'll be interesting to see how the, our court systems actually handle such a thing because, of course, the whole situation is very political. So. Um, right. Well, I can imagine closing borders can screw up a lot of people's businesses that depend on, you know, commerce over the border or tourism. So I can imagine that affects a lot of people's livelihoods. But I think where they're coming at it from, because I believe the Constitution does outline that there's freedom to move between the states, if I'm not mistaken. So obviously, that's a, it's a right for freedom of movement. So, yeah, that's just another right that's being infringed upon, I guess, in the Commonwealth of Australia, because I guess it's one thing to close international borders and it's one thing to close down national borders and not allow people to travel freely between the states. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely against it just, you know, on a principle basis, because I think there should be, you know, a free market. I'm definitely a free market capitalist, capitalist, so I think there should be the freedom to move and to trade um, between the states. Mm. Yeah. 
the big, the huge, the huge problem, problem we've got in Queensland is because we depend a lot on tourism up here and our winter tourism is extremely important. And a lot of tourists come from Victoria and New South Wales during the, the depths of winter to enjoy some, some sunshine. So what's happened mm. with this criminal um, state government is that they're shutting the borders down. So they're basically going to destroy um, the livelihoods of people who are involved in the tourism industry for the winter period. Our winter period here is critical and probably the the best chance for these people to actually make their income for the year. So this is this is this is the fight at the moment. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I can imagine it's something very important for you guys up there. Yeah. Yeah. So because you, you're closer to the equator, right? So when when people travel up to Queensland to get a bit more sun during the winter, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean we're we're such a very we're a big state too. I mean, uh, New South Wales is, mm-hmm. is, I guess, a lot thinner in a sense. But yeah, if you want a bit of warmth, you you go up to northern parts of Queensland during the winter, and it's like summer for for you guys down there. You know. <laughs> oh, it's, really? It's good okay. Good weather up there, man. Yeah, that's for sure. Nice. <laughs> All year round. <laughs> well, except in the summer, you don't want to go there. It's, you'll melt. Um, but anyway, <laughs> mo- moving on. Um, just with but regards. Just going, sorry, just yeah, going go back on. to um, when you were saying how popular it was. Maybe the. Maybe I'm just a good video editor because <laughs> when you're actually there, it's uh, it's a it's a little less exciting than than you you think it's it's happening. And and j- just to think, like yeah, people people started to come out mainly after that first police encounter on week four. So I think it was that video that made people realize, oh, you know, the police aren't stopping them. Because see, when I went out for the first three weeks. Even though people were sharing the videos and people were following along and saying it was a great idea and everything, every time I went there every week, there was nobody there. See, so that's when I realized this is where it's different because in an environment where protesting is legal, right? And, you know, obviously we weren't protesting, right? We were just exercising. Correct. But if, if in an environment where protesting is allowed and then you organize a protest, People aren't worried about coming out and getting fined a thousand dollars. That because most people, are, most people are, and, and me as well. You know, like I, I would be quite concerned to go up against the police, not knowing what my rights were. But I guess we we started this, and and sort of planned it out, like knew, knowing hey what our rights were, what the laws said. So I sort of went into this prepared. Um, but but most people wouldn't, and that's what I found. I, what I realized is people are more scared than we realized of going against these public health or what they thought would be going against these public health orders. Mm. So even though I've given given them this idea and said, hey, look, this is how you can do it without breaking the public health orders, people were still very shy to come out because the first couple of weeks, like some people would come and and then they'd come and say hello to me and and then I'd say, oh, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, are you exercising here? They're like, yeah, they're like, then they'd say, oh, we're just seeing if you're actually here doing it. You know what I mean? So it's like some people didn't really think I was there every week. Checking up on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I think there was like once on an Anzac day where I came and a guy came and stopped me and said, oh, he's like, oh, I didn't know you were going to do this. I didn't think you'd do it because it was public holiday. So every week I would go there, there would be like maybe one or two people come say hello and see what was going on then it was like the fourth week when some people came and then they had that interaction with the police that that sort of fueled the fire for week five and then week five was when when, when was when renee was there and everything like that so that's when that 
that sort of viral footage well, went out. In, in my so opinion, it did mate, take a few weeks. To I, I would have, I would have mainly chalked that up to the time it takes for your message and your videos to get around and to go through all the different groups and you know uh, all the pages in Facebook and stuff. And and once a lot more people start seeing that a lot more and they start seeing more and more videos, it can take you know it can take a week or two. Um, even more before people start to go, well, this is actually a real thing. This guy's really doing it. He seems to be there all the time, you know, like he's the real deal. And then you start getting people go, oh, I'm going to go and join that guy. You know, like it just takes time, I think, to, for that message mm-hmm. to actually propagate. Um, I wouldn't have chalked it up to people not being, you know, too scared to do it. I mean, yes, there is an element of it, but more so it's an element when people are abiding by that system and they're in there and that that's their belief system that there is this deadly disease and if we go out we could get you know sick or injured blah 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 and you know you mm-hmm. you there being uh, doing the the exercising is you know causing a ruckus and oh he's bad or he's a bad guy blah 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 you know it's it's for those oh, people yeah, yeah, they're not going to yeah, come and yeah, join yeah. you of course but, oh, of course yeah, but the yeah, people who right. have a doubt yeah, the people who doubt that that system itself and the message that's coming across from from the establishment they're the ones that'll go yeah it, it can take a little while but when they start seeing more and more people do it then you know and then look at the freedom rally mate the freedom rally in brisbane was was huge andy and, and ethan were there i unfortunately wasn't there because my back was i had a sore back at the time and i couldn't go but mm-hmm. uh andy and ethan were there we we um, we got video footage. We we put pictures. We put them up. Um, you know, the media was selling it as though there was what a few hundred there when there was what nearly two thousand or something. Andy, is it yeah, right? Yeah, same 2, in Sydney. And Sydney, Sydney was Sydney the same. Definitely had about two, three thousand, and they said hundreds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's right. The media, the media played their part. They they took a photo. ABC took a photo of um, the event about an hour before it even started, with a few people mingling around and. Mm-hmm sort of thing so yeah the media has been absolutely disgraceful during this whole period you know um uh, as we expected them to be so i saw saw that's the thing right because when when i started when i started the the lock the lockdown laws well i guess when you couldn't go out well i was actually in effect so by the time it sort of caught on and then people started joining me and then we had that that freedom rally on that saturday um, I felt like it lost a bit of the impact because the restrictions had already eased and the police really couldn't do anything about it. See, that's why the the week that Renee got arrested, the laws were still in place where you couldn't leave your house for a reasonable excuse. So the argument with the police was, if we're here exercising, we're allowed to be here, you can't stop us. And they're saying, well, you're not here exercising. That was the argument. But then week six after that, and everyone was worried, is the police going to do anything? But because the laws had changed that week and now you could have public gatherings of 10, you know, outdoors, then really, like, the police couldn't enforce anything anymore because how can you say who's together as a group and all that sort of stuff? So that's where the the environment really changed in terms of the laws changing. I don't know if you guys realise that. In well, it's in New South Wales, anyway. Yeah, well, it, it, to me, it's, it's just so hypocritical of... of the government and the way that they've handled this situation because you know what's the difference but like obviously you're saying you know week five or six whatever it was when renee had that was it five or four when renee got arrested that day week, week my week five yeah week five week okay out there. now and then you say week six there was not much of a big deal because they you know reduced the restrictions yeah, yeah? it was like right? more people were there than week five 
like more people were exercising in front of Parliament House than week five. But because the laws had changed in New South Wales to now allow groups of 10 outside, now the police couldn't really, yeah. they, were, they were strapped to enforce it, right? Because if, if a bunch of people are in the same place, who can you say who's together and if they're in a group of 10 right. and they can't do anything? But yeah, so that's why with the protest that happened on the Saturday two weeks after, which is like week seven or something, they they couldn't do any. They had to. They got the permit because they told the police, "Hey, we're going to try and enforce these groups of ten social distancing." So they allowed that protest to go ahead based on that, and that's why you could hear the speakers during that talk go, "Hey, spread out if you can." And when we were walking, we had coordinators saying, "Hey, make sure you're maintaining groups of ten because that was like not in Brisbane, mate." Like, <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. Maybe Brisbane was di- Brisbane didn't have a permit. I think I think they just went ahead. And yeah, they, they did. Complete- they just oh, they had a permit as well. No, 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 no. They just oh. went. They just went ahead with it. I mean, they just they didn't worry about it. They were just like, well, we're here. We're going to just do our thing. And then the police basically um, went along with it. They were they were they even they were even suggested, yeah, we'll we'll close the road for you so you can go and do your march. Like they they handled it really well. But but what my whole yeah. point was that the whole hypocrisy of that sort of situation is whereas you know, like you're saying that sort of week four to five week five to six whatever it was you know one one day it's you know you can't come here you're breaking the rules blah 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 and then if that was on the last day of those restrictions before they reduce those restrictions within a few hours like what's the big deal like it doesn't make sense because you know a few hours before it's a threat that she's there it's you know it's going to cause uh you know she could get sick or she she could spread covid-19 but then a few hours later it's like oh no the restrictions are less there's no there's no there's no alert there's no need for alarm because of that sort of situation you know she's not going to get it now she's not going to get sick you're not going to get it you're not going to get sick you know what i mean like it just doesn't make sense it was just so stupid that they yeah. had these rules in place for these stupid lockdowns and it was just so hypocritical, you know, like we, we talked about it in an article I wrote in, on previous podcasts, um, feel free to go back and check it out, it was called um, COVID-19, the casualty list is in, and where I talked about the, the five main casualties of, of this whole coronavirus pandemic, and one of those things was was logic. <laughs> I'm not talking actual deaths here, but these are like, you know, freedoms and rights, logic, um, truth, uh, all these sort of these are the things I said were casualties of because of this pandemic, and logic was was definitely. <laughs> right. I had to add that there because it none of this made sense. It was so illogical that these rules and regulations put up. And, and one of the things, you know, like for example, this is what I'm just sort of referring to when I say it's illogical is they here in Queensland at least anyway. The health department said you know a family um, of two could go and visit a family of ten. But that family of ten couldn't go and visit that same family of two. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't <laughs> yeah. make sense. It was so stupid. And common sense was the other thing that I said was a casualty as well. So, um, yeah, th- th- I just wanted to yeah, sort of make that absolutely. as a point that you know, one day they're really harassing this poor lady and having a go at her, and then the next week, you know, she's at the protest and it's no big deal. Like seriously, like they, they the, the police need to take a long hard look in the mirror when they're enforcing these stupid laws and, and going, yeah, you know, what are we doing? You know. If they just banded together themselves and went, we're not going to enforce this. This is ridiculous. But everyone just sort of went along with it. You know, it was all, it was, it was the whole "we're all in this together" mantra that seemed to be brainwashing not only the the most of the public but the authorities and and the the police services themselves. It anyway, I just scratch my head every time I think about it. It just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but I mean, look, oh, yeah, completely it, agree it, it with was, you. I thought that your 
you actually had a pretty good impact, you know, and especially when it came to that freedom rally. I was watching that live video you put up, and there were so many people coming up to you, going, "Hey, it's Victor," and getting selfies with you. Like, man, they, rec- <laughs> you know what I mean, like they recognised you. They they saw your message, yeah, and you know, that, that other people yeah. were wearing the same headbands, you know, with liberty on them. It was awesome. I thought it was great, mate. Um, you had, <laughs> right. it, was, it was a really good impact, and I think it, it just sort of it resonated with a lot of people what you were doing. You were, in in a sense, you were almost. You know, highlighting the the hypocrisy and the the idiocy of these stupid lockdown rules yourself, and making fun of it, and that's what I loved about it the most. <laughs> it was so good to see. Um, but I guess that's sort of I think know, that's, that's what Australians like. You know, they do. We, we, those of us who are in Australia, we like to take the piss out of things. We and, resonate with that think, stuff, uh, yeah, 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 big time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's that's why I'm, you know, when I, I do a lot of these articles, I, I do a lot of op, um, op-ed style articles. That's that's just my style of when I write, and um, I like to sort of highlight those sort of those things and i like to i guess in a sense take the piss sometimes when i do a bit of writing um i obviously do a few serious ones as well but that casualty list one uh, i urge you to go back and have a look at it you've i've actually got a picture of you in there and a link to your website um because i mentioned oh, really? it. Okay, yeah I yeah. Check it out now. yeah definitely <laughs> um yeah because i thought it was just i thought it was brilliant and it had to be said that you know people like renee were being arrested for for, for no reason like it was literally for no reason um but anyway look um I noticed you yeah, had yeah. a bit yep. of a run-in with the cops as well on, on some of those videos you did. Now, you know, they were really nice to your face in the beginning and, you know, they were just asking questions and you were compliant and you were sticking to your guns and all that sort of stuff. But then later on, it kind of mm-hmm. got nasty. What happened What happened there, mate? You know, did you get arrested? Did you face a fine? Like, what? talk us talk us through that bit, man. Sure, sure, sure. And and just going back to your, your inconsistent rules and everything, that's sure. what was weird because this was most of what people know about exercising my rights happened on week five right so that's when i got arrested renee got arrested that's when the police really made their move to try and clamp down on what was going on in front of parliament house so um but yeah if you but if you were actually there you would realize there was if you look at the main group when the police are talking to us the 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 the, the, the largest number of people that were in that area there was probably about maybe 20 to 30 people so like you're saying with the inconsistent rules i mean indoors at Coles or Woolies there's probably way more people in a smaller space indoors and that's not causing fear and alarm but yet uh, that yet the people outside parliament house holding signs and walking up and down you know not chanting not speaking not harassing anyone that's causing fear and alarm so it's just weird that they would sort of use that excuse to try and move people on to say it's causing fear and alarm when you know there are there are probably people more people down at the beach exercising in the same area than there was there yeah brilliant brilliant um, example i appreciate that you're adding that in it's definitely a good example as well yeah yeah so so on that day so like i said you know i think the videos give it a different feel because i mean obviously the videos was about promoting the idea and everything like that but if you're actually there on the day it's it's like if you've done any sort of activism like when you're there on the day it, the reality of the situation is always a little less exciting than the the footage that comes out of it that's <laughs> the edited footage so if you're actually there on the day you'd realize that there wasn't really that much going on yeah there were some times when the police came over to talk to people and then everyone was just sticking by their guns from what i could hear them talking because i during the live stream i kind of went and see see what the police were doing they were saying they're exercising there so the police really couldn't do anything about it it was about um probably about three oh, see i got all my times mixed up but there there was a time when 
I think people were starting to get a bit comfortable because like when people were, were first there, you could tell like, oh, they, they're constantly moving. They're worried if the police are going to give them a hard time. And then when the police made their first move over and sort of separated everyone up to talk to them, they realized, well, the police can't stop me from exercising here, right? Because the police are trying to get you to admit some, that you're doing something you're not. But if they can't, then there's nothing they can do, right? Because they don't have any legal grounds to to tell you you can't be here. So I think as as it got to about 3.30, I think, like people were starting to get a bit more comfortable. And because people were sort of ready to go home and because people generally, even though I was there from 2 to 4, people would sort of rock up at 2.30, leave it around 3.30. So I think as they were getting comfortable, they were starting to stand around and talk, right, and with each other. So I think that's what the police tried to use to say, well, you guys aren't exercising. This is like a gathering going on because obviously people with like-mindedness had come to the same place. They were starting to stop and talk to each other, even though they were still socially distanced, right? But it's just the fact that there was a lot of people stopping and talking in a, in a smaller area. So that's when they made the move over where you see the first police encounter. So I sort of saw them come over as a group. So I wanted to have that chat with them first to see what the issue was. And that's where you see the conversation between me and Constable Kra, and then the sergeant takes over. Can I can I can in I just the, can I just point sorry, out the, the again the hypocrisy again is that, you know, the police were probably standing there doing nothing, standing still as well, which is okay for them. But if you know, if yeah. people who are exercising <laughs> suddenly stand still and talk, that's that's not good. You know, like again, more hypocrisy. I just thought exactly, I'd just thought I'd yeah. add that one in there. And you do see in the live stream, there are times when there's like a group of 12 of them, you know, huddled over there. And it's like, how come they're allowed to huddle over there and other people over this side? Yeah, it's it's all crazy. So anyways, they come over. And so when I'm stopped by the constables, it got to the point where the youngest constable, the probationary constable, he actually decides to arrest me. But then the sergeant takes over because I think they're trying to figure out how to go about this, right? So it was me talking to the sergeant where the sergeant finally gave in and said, well, then just continue exercising. So that was sort of the critical part in the video. Well, at the same time, that's when Renee is having the conversation with Const, uh, with Inspector O'Donnell, right? So so you got to remember that the, the day is already sort of coming to an end. The police have already approached a lot of the people that were there already. So, so there was actually two constables that already tried to stop Renee and spoke to her and then let her keep going. Right. Then when they made their big move, which was to try and really just shut it down. And I, we were sort of talking in the middle where you see that big group talking with the sergeant. That's when Renee is over with Inspector O'Donnell. And there's that first encounter between them where she's saying, I'm not going to give you my name. Am I free to go? And O'Donnell eventually lets her go, but says she's going to go somewhere. And this is what we don't really understand what she means. by. She's going to go get permission to arrest her. So I don't know if you caught that on the video where when she talks to Renee and Renee says, okay, well, you're not being detained. So Renee walks off, but then Inspector O'Donnell says, I'm going to get permission to arrest you. Yeah, right? that's, that's, so she's got... that's pretty weird. I'm, I'm not sure. I did catch that, but I didn't, I, can't, I guess I didn't really focus on it. But then now that you sort of mentioned it again, that is very, that is very strange. Yeah, Why would she go and get permission? That yeah, because O'Donnell, yeah, O'Donnell is actually the highest oh, rank there. She was the highest rank. She was the inspector. So she's then gone to somebody higher rank than her to ask if it's okay to arrest this mum with her child who won't, who refuses to give me her name and details, right? And somebody has said, yes, go do it. 
So who know who that is? I have no idea. Or did she get permission? Who knows? But anyways, once Renee leaves that conversation, she then joins the conversation between me and everyone that's gathered there talking with Sergeant Davy, right? So after I finish with Sergeant Davy, somebody else talks to him, and then Renee is talking to him as well. And then Sergeant doesn't the Sergeant Davy doesn't cause her any problems either. Now, this is already like at about 3.30 or something. So it's almost at the end. So after that big confrontation, everybody thought, okay, that that's it. The police have tried to do something, but everyone's basically leaving. Now, some people had already left. Like there were some people that I'd seen on other weeks had already left. So it was sort of just dying down. And that's why I, at that point, didn't think anything else was going to happen. So I was, Parliament House sort of is along a street. Uh, in in Sydney, I was on uh, sort of the the northern side of that street on Parliament House, and then Renee was at the other side. So I was talking with people, and we just figured, you know, people were starting to say goodbye, and people were leaving, and it was it was the end. It was the end of the event, right? It was the end of the day, basically. That's what it felt like. Um, and then all of a sudden, some somebody comes over and taps me on the shoulder, and it's like, Victor, Victor, they're calling for you. I hear somebody calling my name over at the other side. So I'm like, what's going on? I'm hearing screaming. My first thought is, did some guy cause trouble with the police? Because see, when I first spoke to the police, I was trying to set the tone, right? I was trying to say, like, look, we can just talk with the police. You know, I, I can, you know, they'll try and stop me. They won't be able to stop me. Uh, I'm hoping if people were listening to me, this is the tone of how you should deal with the police. So I was a little annoyed when it was like, oh, man, did some guy sort of kick up a fuss and then you know, cause a big ruckus and big women to scream. That's what I thought was going on, right? So, but you couldn't get closer because the, the police had actually put a barricade on the pathway. So you couldn't just walk past them. And and I, I didn't want to break past them. Like I, like some people just walked around them, but I didn't want to do that because I knew that they would find any excuse to come after me, right? So, so it was when I was recording on that barricade that... I, I realized a, a mother was getting arrested. So then I was uh, saying to Constable Crow, man, of all the people to arrest, like, why did you arrest a mother? Because I was thinking, if you're going to arrest somebody, why didn't you just arrest me? I was willing to get arrested. Uh, so because they didn't let us get any closer, I decided, you know, I'm going to get away from the barricade and go the other direction, cross the road, and try and watch from the other side of the road, try and get a bit closer to get some footage. Mm -hmm. So me and this other lady crossed the road, uh, when the when the green man went green, we were running. We were running down the other side of the road. So when they saw me run down the other side of the road, the two constables from the videos, they sort of intercepted me at the other side. And then they just told me that I had not complied with their move-on direction. So this is where it was. I think they were getting a bit confused because they had given me a move-on direction, but they didn't realize that the sergeant had said it was fine to continue. So... And they knew that I hadn't left because obviously I was standing in front of them talking yeah, to them on yeah. the barricade. My family was there too. Like my family with all my kids, they were a bit hard to miss, right? They're all dressed in white, you know. My wife was there with the double pram. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm not going to leave the area without them. So they knew I was around. This is what I don't get. But I think, I think what happened is because they saw me running down the other side of the road with a couple of other people, they probably thought we were trying to get involved. And to, just to try and stop me, they just it tried to enforce the move on and then they arrested me. So my, my arrest was quite unglamorous. I was like on the other side of the road. Mm. Nobody knew that I had been put into a paddy wagon and whisked off. Only my family knew because they were watching me run down the other side of the road. Yep. So that's why my mate sort of ran over to try and record, you know, when I was already in the car. So that's how that sort of went down.
And did you cop a fine from that? No, because I, I, I no, I didn't get a fine. So my my charge is, and I've got a court date in the end of July, uh, is failure to comply with a move-on direction. So when you read the notes in my court order, they actually admit that they assumed that I had complied with the move-on. So when they saw me again, they thought they they tried to justify that I had not complied, and that's why they arrested me. Do you have it on video that the sergeant gave you permission to be there still? Yeah, yeah, because it's in the it's in the live stream. So I yeah. had I had some video that was offline. So I the the video the day five video is where I sort of tried to piece the story together. So that's where you see them try to arrest me, and you see that full conversation between them. And then I go to the live stream again. And then that's when Sergeant Davies actually says to everyone there, hey, you guys, you have to spread out. And I'm like, I say to him, well, can I continue exercising then? He's like, yeah, I was never holding you. So that's why he actually he actually says, yeah, you're fine to keep exercising. Yeah, so I was go. actually saying that to the constant when they arrested me. That's why I said, why are you? Like, I said, what's the reason for the move on? And they said, oh, you, we gave you a move on before. We already told you why. And I, I said, and see, this is where they'd already turned my phone off, right? Their body cam footage is going. So if we ever get that footage, yeah. we'd be able to see. But I explained to them, I say, look, your sergeant said I could keep continuing. So I don't know why you're arresting me. So you've, so, got, you've got an easy out there. You'll win that one for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I Especially will. Especially with not... that sort of evidence, you know what I mean? So... But the but the maximum see the thing is I don't really have much to lose the maximum penalty for not complying with the move on is two hundred and twenty dollars so <laughs> it's like I've got really nothing to lose and everything to gain cheaper than the fine for you know breaching the stay at home stuff <laughs> yeah so what you have to understand about Renee's situation is very different right because Renee's situation is when when the police suspect you of committing a, a crime and they if they want to issue you a fine they have to identify you. So this this Renee's fight is different because she refused to give her details. And if you refuse to give the details and they suspect you of committing a crime, then they can detain you and arrest you to get your details. I'm pretty sure they have to declare what they suspect, the crime they suspect you of committing as well. Do they say that? Well, see, this is where it's all going to come out in the wash, right? In the sense that, I mean, obviously they're suspecting her of breaking the public health order, but even Renee was saying, well, I'm out here exercising. Hmm. So... It still comes down to they they like the police can dig their heels in, and arrest and arrest you anyway, and then it's going to come down to the courts whether the court decides she needed to give her details or not. So, do you know what I'm saying? That's why the police commissioner can get on two GB and say, oh, you know, he he's happy with how they dealt with the situation. I mean, how <laughs> even even if they have ground, I mean, think about it, right? Even if they have grounds to arrest somebody for not giving their details you still can't justify the way in which it was done oh you know, absolutely like, surely, not. surely like surely the that's why i think it's all pr right he knows he's got a bigger platform he's just going to set the scene and he's saying our oh, mother went to an illegal protest and she shouldn't have brought her child and then everyone just hates on it but then at the end of the day she came for a walk there was like maybe 20 to 30 other people in the same area at the same time the police tried to stop her from going for a walk that they they you know then they asked for a detail she refused to give them and then on her way home right because the second encounter with inspector o'donnell was half an hour later right because there's that initial encounter i've already said goodbye to renee you know because i thought she had already left so she was actually arrested when she was leaving so she was leaving the city and o'donnell actually stopped her from leaving to try and get her details again and then use that to arrest her and that's when you see him dragging her back and then 
dragging her into the paddy wagon and everything. And what I've been saying is, even if you think the police had cause to arrest her, I mean, surely dragging her back, ripping her child out of her arms, throwing her into the back of a paddy wagon, slamming the door on her ankle, like, it's surely not the right way to go about it. You sh- I mean, sh- any reasonable person would have thought, okay, let's let's let the mum calm down. Let's explain to her what's going on. Let's give her some assurance that her child's going to be okay. Even a child can maybe travel with her so she's not stressed. We'll wait for somebody to come pick up her child here before we take... You know, like, you would think that would be the tact. But, you would think so, yeah. But, uh, you know, um, it wasn't. Anyways, Victor, yeah. in, in all... In all of your campaigning, have you have you ever come across any of the any of the public giving you a hard time, telling you know, saying that you're being irresponsible and you know you, you're you're going to influence this pandemic and and make people sicker and, and all of this sort of nonsense? Has that oh, come across yeah. your feeds? You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a few trolls on the page, which is fine because I just. You know, I leave them there because they they increase the engagement, right? So sometimes the the bad publicity gets the message out better, right? There's a lot of people commenting on it. But even in the city, I mean, obviously, there would be the people that would drive past and honk and go, yeah, but then there'd also be people, you know, heckling you and, you know, people walk past and say, like, oh, you idiots or whatever, anti-vaxxer nuts, that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, so obviously there is a divide in opinion and there are people that obviously do not support at all what I'm doing and think that we're just heartless and don't care about the frontline healthcare workers and all of that stuff. But, totally mind-controlled people. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, Lee, did you have any more? Uh, yeah, well, I think that's all I wanted to sort of cover from that incident anyway. It was... It was sort of left a little bit, in my opinion, left a little bit up in the air for some of your followers and stuff, I guess, and maybe the people who weren't following too closely, I guess they wanted a little bit of closure on that. I know I did anyway. <laughs> That's why I asked you to explain what was going on. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I think it's the, the, when you know, and I, I'm trying to release another video to sort of Thank tell you. Renee's story more if she's happy with it, but yeah, I, I think people seeing the video don't really know the context of what was happening that day. So I think it's very important for people to yeah. note that it was... It was quite a dead day, you know, it, she was on her way home and she only she only took her child to this this sort of activity because she thought it was just going for a walk in front of Parliament House. Like nobody saw it as a violent protest. Nobody saw it as mm. a big group rally where they were shouting and chanting. And so, you know, this is why she thought it was fine to bring a child. Because Renee actually told me that she's never gone to a protest before. She's not really that active politically. Mm. I mean, um, you, you had your kids there and, you know, exercising with you. So, I mean, what's the big deal that she had them there? So, yeah. Yeah, uh, and there was and, another family that brought like 10 of their kids. Yeah, there, I saw like that 10. too. Yeah. Uh, Andy, did uh, you have one more question for Victor? Um, yeah, look, I just wanted to um, get a little bit into more the, you know, you mentioned before that you're part of a Christian group and that you mm-hmm. obviously go to a church and that sort of thing. Uh, oh, are you? Okay. Sorry, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. So, so I'm interested from like, um, from a Christian perspective and from like organised churches and things, I, I'm seeing, you know, like, no comments at all from these groups. I mean, are they not uh, awake enough to know really like the, you know, 
like even from a biblical point of view where we're heading with all of this type of draconian Orwellian type type thing there, you know, I'm not hearing anything from, uh, you know, any of the Catholic groups or any of the, you know, Christian groups or, or, or anything. In fact, we, in my business, we do a bit of work with, um, you know, like uh, with churches and things. I won't get into that, but like, and and a lot of these people are sort of you know saying oh you know you must you know keep separate and and of course all of the you know the churches and funerals and things like that are all are all like deep into you know following the government government mantra. To me, it's a little bit disappointing that we're not seeing anything from our our ministries and from our church leaders at all, and they seem to be just slotting straight into the the, the government line. Um, if you, if I can get some comments from you, Victor, on on that line, that'd be that'd be really cool. Yeah, sure. I think my thoughts here. There's a few factors. I mean, obviously, you've got the types that are just gutless, right? So you've got some people they don't want to cause a stir and and all that sort of stuff. And and for the people like that, they really shouldn't be leading churches if you don't have the guts to say what you think. But then there's it. See, then there's the circle of people that don't want anything to do with anything political or the government so they just stay in their own corner they're just minding their own business and and that's a problem as well right because they see issues in the world and rather than speaking up and getting involved in the fight they're just sort of taking care of their own business right um so there's that as well and and a lot of the churches sort of that that would be very similar to mine that's the struggle i have which is i'm i'm a little bit different where I do believe that it's our responsibility as Christians to affect our society. But I don't know if you guys see this in your circle, but a lot of people, and I believe they're sort of mis- have misguided well intentions to sort of say, oh, you know, it's not the Christian thing to get involved in politics. It's not the Christian thing to get involved too much in these things. You know, we should just be preaching the gospel and things like that. And I completely agree with preaching the gospel, but some people, you know, it's like they're against getting involved principally and you know i don't think it's logically consistent but for some reason they've taken on that point of view so there are people like that that just think you know they don't want to get either they don't think it's right for people to get involved in the system or get involved politically and then you've got uh, the majority of christian churches out there which is which have actually just bought into the 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 storyline yeah, which the is that there's this killer the disease out there and, and yeah, yeah and then they and they honestly feel that if they go against it they're not being like the caring christian they should be looking out for yeah. people you know rather than seeing that yeah there may be agendas out there but ultimately we need see the way i come at it from the way i come at it is well we have a right we have freedoms Right, and just because people want to keep you safe or people have good intentions, that doesn't mean they have the right to take away your freedom. So there is another way to care about people, which is you care about both sides. Right, you can protect the elderly and you can protect the high risk and immunocompromised by encouraging them to self-isolate and not putting them in any compromising positions so that they can be quarantined effectively. But the rest of society can get on with what they're doing. And then you're not infringing on people's right to freedom. You're not infringing on their right to work. And that's the way we should go about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's the challenge, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your questions. But I think, 
you know, I think there are a lot of people that do disagree with what's going on, but unfortunately they are not in the fight. You know, they're not speaking out mm. and it's a shame. Yeah, no, I agree. I think thanks for, I guess, clearing that up a bit and a good to hear your standpoint on that as well too, Victor. Um, we might just sort of segue a little bit here because this, oh. I mean, this line of questioning kind of actually sort of leads me into, uh, I guess, the, the most recent article I, I've put up over at realnewsaustralia.com for the listeners out there and for the people who follow uh, my work as well. Um, this is, like I said, this is actually part four in a, in a, in a series of uh, little exposés I've done uh, called Track. They all start with Track and Trace uh, because we're starting to see, and I don't know if you've noticed it as well, Victor, maybe you have, um, we're starting to see a, a, a big move towards this sort of technocratic, you know, biometrically controlled social credit style system that's being very slowly implemented and lots of little steps are being done um, to edge towards this end game, basically, of, of how they basically want to run and control the system and the world itself. I mean, you know, we've heard in the past, I'm sure you've seen the videos, and you've heard them all in the past before. They all, you know, all the, the previous world leaders have all mentioned that whole new world order, and they all talk about this, and they, they even say it in a lot of their speeches as well. You know, this is covering probably from the last maybe 20 years I'm talking about. But now we're starting to see a big push towards uh, the, the, the Chinese-style uh, over in, in, in China now, where they've got this big social credit system move now, where you know, everything is, is controlled from a top-down system. You know, it's very heavy-handed. If you step out of line, then you're, you're punished very quickly and pretty much in real time as well. You know, I mean, I've seen um, videos and, and examples of where uh, a, a Chinese citizen was was caught jaywalking and by the time he'd finished jaywalking and crossing the street he'd already had money deducted from his account you know the fine had come out immediately that's how closely monitored he was yeah and this is in one of the big cities and i'm sure if it was beijing but it was another one of the big the big cities over there um and this is that type of top-down control that we're starting to see edge closer and closer into what we're um what we're doing here and even in australia um and i just wanted to sort of I'll, I'll i'll take us through this this latest piece now and i'll i'll get your feedback and as well as yourself andy i'll bounce off the both you just to sort of to see if you sort of agree or if uh, if you disagree or if you uh, you're in the same line of thinking perhaps but uh, i'll just take us through it now so this one folks was i just put this one up yesterday uh, again called track and trace this one's embedded microchips and facial recognition Um, So Queensland has taken another step towards a a dystopian technocratic future with the implementation of new microchip technologies, facial recognition, and the merger of said data to federal agencies. Um, Now, if you probably, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but Queensland had the old school laminated driver's license up until, uh, when was it? Up until about 2010. Um, So, you know, 10 years ago, we changed over, but from 1986 up until about 2010 we had these little you know a piece of paper that was laminated and that was our driver's license here in queensland you know we had them for such a long time um and i used to work in hospitality it was funny we'd get people from interstate laughing at us saying look at your driver's license you know like you've got these stupid plastic ones as are all advanced we've got these credit card style blah 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 which you've had down there <laughs> i know for in victoria and in new south wales for quite some time now but you know we had these old school laminated ones and then in 2010 uh, we saw the introduction of the new credit card style driver's license, which, 
incidentally cost taxpayers about $140 million to implement here in Queensland, which is in itself is ridiculous, the Aye. amount of money they spend on that sort of thing, right? Um, and they were seen as more reliable and durable, and you know, they came with uh, a microchip on the surface of the card, which would store your information. Um, but that's not all. The, the introduction of facial recognition technology on the actual photo was seen as a major leap forward in the terms of security. Um, so we, that's when you, it was... Previously, it was a, a little photo which they would stick on the paper and then laminate it, right? And you can even tell it was slightly raised in that section when you had the, the old school laminated license, right? And then, of course, they've gone to these printed credit card style ones. And it was, you know, you couldn't smile. You had to sort of be plain faced because it was biometrically reading your entire face in that image, right? Um, and then in 2010, oh, sorry... That, that 2010 version of the card, like I said, had a, a readable microchip on the surface of the card, which was sold as you know, greater functionality for the card, uh, meaning that all your information was stored digitally uh, as well as in a printed form. Uh, however, much more was uh, able to be garnered from the chip, such as your traffic history. So, you know, a police officer, could, if they pulled you over, they could take your card and insert it in their little reader in their cop car and bring up your entire history you know, very simply without having to type in details and all that sort of stuff. You know, it was very easy to do things uh, with that chip. And not too long after this license uh, was brought in, more advancements in technology, of course, meant that the chip could now be embedded and accessed wirelessly, uh, which means you know, radio frequency identification. So um, that saw the newer version of the card come out, right? And now that it has the little wireless pay wave type symbol uh, in place of the chip because the chip is now embedded in the in the card right mm -hmm. um, so yet again we've now seen more and more in, intrusive technologies being introduced now we saw just recently um, channel 9 did a, a piece uh, where license plates on our vehicles are now uh, from now on any new vehicles with new license plates are going to have this new technology uh, as part of them and they're going to have a little I'm not sure, like a hologram embedded on it, so that you know, put, yeah, it's they're unable to be forged, you know, easily. Um, and now they're also going to have RFID microchips embedded in the license plates themselves for all new cars in Queensland. So this is new, more new technology being rolled out. Now, I ask you, what the hell do we need a microchip on our license plate for? To me, it's um, obviously it's going to be RFID compatible meaning that when you pass through a sensor similar to how your toll tag works in vehicles if you know, i'm not mm -hmm. sure if you guys still have them in new south wales but yeah we, yeah, do, we yeah. still have the little e-tag things yep yeah. obviously you know, when you pass through it beeps right when they pass through the readers so uh I've, i have noticed definitely in a lot of major roads and intersections there's now license plate reading cameras they've got the sensors so obviously now that when you pass through these things it's not going to beep or anything. you're not going to have any notification that you've gone through this but they will. The establishment, the government that is, will in their system will be tracking where you're going every single time you hit the road in this new vehicle with these chips in these license plates, which you have to have on your car. Um, now, I haven't been able to find a lot of information about that from, say, the Queensland government website. They did put out a statement which I was reading, and it didn't. It didn't actually mention. It mentioned the new plate combinations which they're going to be bringing out, but it didn't mention the microchips, right? But 
Channel 9 obviously got a, a hold of it and I've put a video in that article so people can watch and it's unfortunately I I haven't even been able to find on their own website and on their own YouTube channels this this video it was someone took a video of it on their TV and they've put it on Facebook which I've linked in the article um, and they talk about having the micro it says new micro oh, sorry new tracking microchip love love it or hate it is basically what they've got on the um, on the video there it's it's phenomenal um, and then underneath it, I've linked another video too, which was from the same piece that they actually ran on the news, right? Um, where they, they talked in the video about how we're running out of combinations because obviously we've got the um, three three numbers and then three letters in our combination for our drivers. Uh, sorry, for our license plates here in Queensland, right? Which most yeah. most states do. Um, they're saying that we're running out of combinations, right? Now, there's approximately 5.1 million people in Queensland. Of course, not everyone is able to, to drive. So there's, you know, obviously there's people who are in, in, uh, ineligible to, to drive. Uh, they're either too young, too old or infirm. You know, they, you know, uh, not allowed to drive anymore, blah, blah, blah. But according to the Queensland government in 2019, there were approximately 4.95 million vehicles registered that would use the three number, three letter combination, right? So I've gone online and I've looked up some math sources to find out if, if that is actually true, if we are actually running out of combinations, right? Um, and the math I was able to find says, and I've confirmed this with a few different sources, that there are actually a bit over 17.5 million available combinations. So how can we be running out of combinations? That's what I'm asking, right? So I sort of wanted to say that because... The only reason, in my opinion, that they're bringing out this new technology, that they, they're doing it under the guise of, oh, we're running out of numbers. We've got to change the numbers. So that's what they're selling it to the public as, right? Oh, we've got to bring out new number combinations instead of, you know, three, uh, three numbers, two letters, and then another number. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. But that's purely to sell us because they want to bring in the new technology along with it. They want these new license plates because they want them all chipped. And soon enough, every single car on the road in Queensland will have one of these new license plates eventually in the long term. That's, they'll end up phasing out the old ones or I do envisage them saying, you know, you've got to hand them over and bring in new ones. It doesn't apply to vanity plates, though, from what I've seen. They've um, excluded vanity plates from this, so... Yeah, 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 exactly. Andy's Andy's sitting here saying yet, yeah. So they reckon he reckons they'll bring them in the future. Mm. Um, so anyhow, moving on in the article now. So I've just laid out here that that fact of that there are over seventeen point five million available combinations. So how can we be running out? Streamlining data collection to enhance track and trace capabilities. Uh, automatic license plate readers, also known as ALPRs, are used all over Australia, including including by law enforcement agencies. They are high-speed, computer-controlled camera systems that are mounted on street poles, overpasses, uh, mobile trailers, and of course, even police vehicles. They're used to capture all license plate numbers that come into its field of view. Your plate is then catalogued, including date, time, location, and now even driver and passenger images are also captured. The technology is sophisticated enough to now include facial recognition, all of which is uploaded to a central server. This information can be used to determine where you have been, where you're going, was your vehicle at the scene of a crime, identity travel patterns, and even to discover vehicles that may be associated with each other. And I've got an excerpt here from Real News, uh, from TOTTnews.com. According to reports, Queensland will become the next state to share driver's license information with federal government's with the federal government's controversial national, sorry, national facial biometrics matching database. 
The National Driver's Licence Recognition Solution, the NDLRS, is part of the Identity Matching Services Bill 2019, which is currently still before the House of Representatives, awaiting approval after being denied the first time. The creation of these massive databases with biometric information garnered from the public in all states and territories is then uploaded to a central federal system uh, is yet another massive step towards full spectrum surveillance. And I mentioned in previous track and trace exposés, we have discussed the emerging use of biometrics. We've seen how social media is used for full spectrum surveillance. More recently, how COVID-19 has been used as a tool to get the public to accept being tracked. As we track and trace these methods ourselves, we begin to see the plan coming together bit by bit, moving us closer to a biometrically controlled social credit system that's tied in to every aspect of our lives. The end of privacy, the beginning of a technocratic dystopia. Uh, so that's the article there, and I just sort of wanted to finish that piece off there. Now, I'll just throw to you first mm-hmm. of all, Victor, before I cut over to Andy there. Now, so with all that sort of information now under your belt that I've just sort of shared with you, um, first of all, let's let's just go back to the section now with regards to the licenses. Now, in New South Wales licenses, you guys have microchips on them as well, I, I gather, or in them? Well, I'm not actually sure whether they're <laughs> chipped or not. Uh, yeah, that I don't, I don't, that I don't I'd know. I'd look into that. I'd probably check it out. I don't think they're... They have a hologram on them. Does that mean they're microchipped? No, there's no, it like, should have there's the no little, pay wave. doesn't have the little um, you know, wireless symbol on it at all? No, it doesn't. Interesting. Okay, maybe that might be coming. Maybe they haven't come out yet. Mm. Yeah, possibly. All right, now... But, I mean, I have no I have no doubt that there is a move towards an authoritarian government. I mean, even in, uh, for, obviously for Christians, they know that the Bible talks about one day a, a one-world government and all that sort of stuff. So I have, no, I have no doubt that one day it's heading there. When it happens, we have no idea. But, I mean, my thoughts are ultimately you have people out there that believe in an authoritarian government that has to keep everyone safe. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have people that believe in freedoms and liberty, and we have to we have personal responsibility. But I think you see things like this happening in Australia because ultimately that side is winning. The authoritarian side is winning because they they obviously have the funding of you know probably you know evil people in the background, right? So not only do they have the financial funding, but they also have the activism that most liberty people are not involved in. Because if you think about it. Most people that just want to be free and live their own life, they mind their own business. They don't really get involved in these things. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is we we don't appreciate why we have these liberties and why we have these freedoms. Why the country was the way it was is because there was sort of righteous, godly, and people with the right values involved in the process. But now, I don't know what your circle is like, but when I look at my circle, it's largely disengaged from the process. Like People have no idea who their politicians are. They have no idea how laws are passed and all that sort of stuff. And all we, and, and with social media, people just vent on social media and they feel like they've said their piece, but they haven't actually affected the political process. So I, I think it's changeable in the sense that if enough people get involved and understand how these decisions are made like because obviously there's somebody there are people in a room somewhere making these decisions saying hey we're going to put these into license plates we're going to put these into driver's licenses but i guess where were we where were we to dispute that to say no you're not going to do that and to campaign against it so i think that's where we're losing the fight i don't know if you have the same because some people just have lost hope right they just think oh it's going to happen no matter what so they give up 
And I'm not saying necessarily we might change the world. We may lose in the end, but are we going to go down without a fight? That's the real question. Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of people that just acquiesce and they go along to get along and... You know they don't they don't want to cause a fuss they don't want to kick up a stink and you know because they're, they're I guess to me it comes down to fear to me it's they don't want to do anything because they're afraid of any backlash from that system you know what I mean they don't want to in a sense bite the hand that feeds them you know what I mean a lot of these people may also be on yeah. welfare or pensions or whatnot oh I mean, yeah I mean pensions yeah. we're entitled to you know um, even though they're, they're trying to <laughs> trying to steal the pensions but um you know it, people who are on welfare you know they, again like they don't, don't want to bite the hand that feeds them so they don't want to say anything so they just sort of keep quiet and go along and to me it, you know the, the establishment is is counting on that you know they that's what they want um yeah and that's why it was, they want you to be dependent yeah and, and also and just to add to that yeah it, it, there's also an element of if you knew you could make a difference now you're to blame whereas, whereas if you just say oh what's well, happening there's nothing i can do about it then then there's no blame on you, like you're not part of the problem. But then when people start to, if they admit, oh, you know, we can make a difference, it could do, that means it's your fault that it's happening. Like, because not you personally, right? I'm saying yeah, like, I know what you mean, yeah. those of us who complain, like our inaction has caused it. Correct. But then people don't want to think that they're responsible for it. So they'd rather just say, oh, you know, well, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. Right? I mean, um, we could, well, I was thinking about doing a, a, another podcast on a, Getting in deeper to that very topic um, in a, in a future podcast on on general knowledge podcast for the listeners out there, um, just basically talking about when you might even be familiar with this yourself, Victor. But um, back in 1973, and I'm pretty sure I've got information on my own website about this. Um, it was an introduction. I think it was called the uh, Royal Styles and Titles Act or something. And what they did was they Goff, I think it was Gough Whitlam brought that in. Which then, which removed the Commonwealth and the Queen from a lot of our, basically anything in our in our governmental processes and laws, and and then Bob Hawke in 1984 brought in the Australia Act, which which basically cancelled our 1901 um, UK Constitution, which which guarantees us you know particular rights and freedoms under things like the Magna Carta and stuff back then, and it brought in the the new version of the of the constitution which removed the preamble and and which declared that the 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 people of Australia or the commonwealth are the, are the sovereign citizens and all that sort of stuff so they they removed all that and they changed all that and they set up that then basically set up things like parliament of australia not like the the commonwealth government of australia you'll notice that they've removed that a lot from everything you know and um, that's when they started registering you know um, governments uh, with the um, CEC, uh, sorry, the SEC over in the United States. So the Securities and Exchange Commission registers the Australian government as a business in, in, in America. You know what I mean? Like, this is how deep it goes. Mm. It's very interesting. It's, so I'm going to do another podcast on that and we'll get some different guests on that one as well. But I was just thought maybe you've come across something like that in y- yourself as well. But it's, a, it's another rabbit hole to go down itself. But that's the sort of thing what I mean when it, mm-hmm. it kind of got stolen from us and people don't realize that that happened. And it, we've we've had a lot of these rights and, and these ability to challenge these things simply taken away from us. Like you can't even take it to the high court now because the high court literally sits in treason. Same with any, any court in Australia, uh, the magistrates and the Supreme courts are actually sitting there in treason because they don't swear an oath to the queen anymore. They've taken that out of it. So they're not actually doing, um, following the, the constitution as they're supposed to. So, but anyway, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've come across it, but what I don't, I guess we don't have to talk about it here, but I, I, what I don't really understand yet about it is is how it actually impacts 
us. But yeah, like I said, I don't know that much about it. But mm. I've heard about it. I, I, well, it. I know people that are quite passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it takes us away from I don't know what that our, means about in terms us, of what we can do. Does that change what we're, what we're able a, to do? A like little bit. Say, oh, it does? Okay. A little bit because it takes away common law from us. Um, so we're not only under, under common law here anymore. We're under admiralty law, which is like law of commerce. And that's what everything is run by. Um, so it, it and like even even the fact that we have to have a driver's license is is basically us agreeing to this admiralty law system you know what i mean like if you actually go back and read the constitution we actually have uh, a god-given right to travel freely on our roads in this country without um you know without duress and without being you know stopped or harassed or having to pay pay tolls and fees um Mm -hmm. but that's been taken away from us because they've changed that system and we now you know every every time a parent in i didn't know this and you wouldn't have known this either but every time a parent signs the birth certificate of their child they're literally selling that child and creating a straw man so that straw man now acts as a person on behalf of the flesh and blood person so there's like i said there's a whole lot of kettle of fish and we'll get onto this in another podcast and yeah. i might send that to you in future if you're interested in that just to, just to hear what the information goes on but um yeah so it, it does prevent mm-hmm. us from doing a few things so we need to get back to that before we can actually do anything about it and there are i can tell you now there are people in australia who are trying to do this and uh, to try and bring that back and and uh, give us those rights once again, there is a movement in this country that's it's uh, sort of in the wings. Yeah, I've I'll heard say. about it. Yeah. And do you do you believe that it's possible to get back there without a war, or do you think it will require a war, or would it? Well, what they're going to try and like, do? Would it require a civil war, or do you think democratically people can reverse what has happened? What it really comes down to is what they're trying to do is is basically get the backing of of the of our monarch. Um, yeah, the UK look, yeah, correct. I mean, look, I don't love the Queen or the royal government, but the fact remains is we are a common, yeah, we're a Commonwealth country. We were um, started, you know, I mean, obviously not the Indigenous Australians, of course, but you know, the, mm-hmm. the white settlers and so forth were part of the UK government, and they took claim on Australia. Blah blah blah. Anyway, that's a whole nother again, another whole another kettle of right, fish. Right, right. So they're trying, have to to get, use... they're trying to get the UK government to correct. Sort of and take there's something called the highest, the highest place that it can be taken is called the privy council which is like the highest commonwealth sort of law place you can go it's higher than the high court and that's where it is right now it's sort of waiting to be seen by the privy council so the queen can actually be basically brought back in and to to basically take charge of the commonwealth and reinstitute the 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 um uh, so what the, happens the if the Queen? What happens if the Queen or the Attorney General signs off on that 1973 thing and says, "Yep, we're fine with how it's being run"? Did it? Will it then Was change it, to the thing is, having to operate within the system? The, the thing is, mate, the the Australia Act should never have actually been ratified. Like it was never really sort of ratified. It wasn't. It wasn't gazetted. It wasn't even signed off properly. It's actually missing signatures as well. Um, and even um, and, it, and are they Bob saying Paul, it has who to signed have like it, a signed referendum it. or something? As Correct. Well, suppose, people, well yeah. see, it has. We've had two referendums in this country to to make us a republic and take us away from the from a Commonwealth constitution, um, and it was knocked back both times. But they've gone twice, and done yeah. it anyway. You know what I mean? So, oh, I see. Yeah, it's really interesting. But like I said, that, that's a whole other episode we could do. Interesting. And it'd be really good to talk. We, we'll probably do that one in the future, I think, too, in yeah. one of the other episodes. But I wanted to just throw to Andy now um, and get Andy's take. And Lena, thanks, thanks for your input on that article too. But Andy, what's obviously you, you've you were right next to me when I was reading that through with you. What's your take on that information, brother? On these microchips, uh, all that sort of stuff, man. What's your take, brother? And the thing that's coming to my mind when you're talking about your article there, General, is like 5G 
So if you can imagine the the actual like strength of five G, and and this track and tracing stuff. And remember, we didn't we did a show like maybe maybe a year or two ago, but like what what their wet dream would be would be to have like a, some sort of a charge system where you're charged per kilometer for travel. You know, this this goes with the whole you know climate change oh, nonsense yes. and stuff like this so so now you know where i'm heading with my thinking right so so if so this technology could easily you know and automatically it's an absolute stepping stone you know and the technology can be rolled out so that the actual track and trace you you can be recorded on exactly your movements in the car and 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 of course could be given a monthly account for say I don't know, 326 kilometres worth of use, you know, and and also have a look at the technology with like speed cameras and like red light cameras and all of this sort of stuff. Like it would almost be like primitive compared to being able to monitor the car, you know, like going through any maybe an amber light or, you know, maybe even a red light or something like that. All of this like motoring habits and stuff like that whether the you know whether you made like a traffic infringement or something like that would be completely monitored so you would get an automatic find in the system like the IG walking just comes out yeah 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 this is how the thing so the actual car movements um you know like like whatever you did if you did say a u-turn right in a, on a country road on a say a double line or something like that that would otherwise be completely undetected by anyone would be completely would would be completely detected with this sort of system you know you would get an automatic fine you know like like registered and and sent to sent to you see where i'm going with the whole thing and it rolls out the whole kilometer thing too which i can see is you know where they where they want to head with the you know like um agenda of of like saving the planet because you know it'll, you'll have to pay for your kilometers in the thing to you know to to run your gasoline car yeah yeah anyway, yeah, yeah it comes down to yeah. that um you know yeah. i've heard talks of this in the past that whole energy certificates thing you know like mm-hmm. you'll give be given a quota of you know everything will be run via you know, energy certificates or whatnot. And if you go over your quota of too many kilometers in your car, which they can track to the meter, you know, yeah. or they'll, they'll deduct it out of your, your pay or you'll get less the next month. Or I can see where you're saying, yeah, this whole system will then be set up ready to go for when they when they want to roll that out, you know, immediately. Yeah, definitely. And we know that that's, um, I have seen in places, might have been in Europe somewhere, where they've even trialed that sort of system itself, where you're given a, a quota. With 5G. I haven't. Know, I don't know if it was with five G or not. It would have no, just no, been. No, no, that would be the technology. To oh, be correct. Able to monitor it. It'll be hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's extremely fast. It's you know, and they'll, they're going to put it everywhere. They're going to have it on the big towers. They're going to have small cells all around the place. And we've done a few episodes on five G in the past. But you're absolutely right, mate. I think that's a good point, and um, I can sort of see definitely where that's that's headed as well. As yeah, all a part of this whole track and trace system. So very, very. Very dangerous stuff, um, and I think it's something that people need to be they need to be aware of. And um, like I mentioned, that the identity matching services bill two thousand nineteen, um, it was it was knocked back the first time, and it's back. Um, you know, they've, t- they've tabled it again, and it's awaiting approval. Um, so I guess all we can do is 
is hope that the committees and things that are in charge of looking over it or, or doing things will actually knock it back again. But I mean, I'm surprised to be honest that it got knocked back the first time, which you know encompasses the sort of um, the siphoning of all of this data into a federal system. You know, so I mean, what's the point? What why why do why does the the, the Australian federal government need all of this information on, on on me driving around? You know, or all my facial data like why do they need that you mean i know that maybe the passport agency has that sort of information for you know border securities and stuff but you know what why does the average australian need their biometrically detailed face uploaded to a federal database protect you against terrorism oh, of course of course yeah, yeah. of course it's yeah. all done under the guise of safety but <laughs> are, are these are they actually sending this information federally i thought uh, traffic laws and driver's license are state-based correct they are but they are doing that's what i'm saying in this article oh, they they're doing it anyway i mean i, I quoted oh, okay. i quoted from yeah, tottnews.com there and there's a link to go back and uh, ethan's done a really good expose on this himself on this particular point of this of this topic where i've said uh, according to reports and he's linked it in the reports queensland will become the next state to share driver's license information with the federal government's controversial national facial biometrics matching database they're not required to do it but they're doing it anyway western australia is also doing it they're another one that's uploading it to this system even when they don't have to they're doing it anyway you know what i mean like it just so, goes yeah. against i mean they're always going to privacy guys of safety so mm. i mean what so i mean what how, what what are you guys saying that uh to, to do to stop it right because i mean the only thing really we can do in this country to stop it is it, com- it comes down to changing our state parliamentarians because they're the ones that are voting these decisions in aren't they Unfortunately, I think that's... Um, the, the, look, I get Palaches what you're saying. What's Anastasia Palaszczuk. Or Palachuk, Palachuk, if you want to call her that. But, <laughs> um, I still, look, I see what you're saying, Victor, but um, we've sort of come to the realisation that that part of the system really... It cannot be changed. It's so gamed. I mean, we've even we've spoken to and we're we're in contact with um, a former MP here, Jason Woodforth. Um, you know, he he was he was one of the ones responsible for for basically changing the law in Queensland, where we didn't have to have fluoridated water mandatory in Queensland. You know, he was he was instrumental in helping us change oh, awesome. that. So he was able because to what, get that brought in. There's one local council, isn't it, that doesn't have it? Um, yes, yeah, I'm pretty Gladstone? sure. There's a Gladstone whole yeah. There's a whole bunch that um, well, Brisbane has it in, but there's actually quite a lot of councils in Queensland that don't have fluoridated water or don't have to have fluoridated water, and they've they've yeah, chosen yeah. to take it out because they're saving themselves cost actually too by doing it. Um, yeah, yeah, true, true. But what, I get what you're saying. But yeah, what I'm saying, saying is, yeah, like Jason like, has, he's come from the inside. He's no longer in parliament now, but he's come from the inside and he's spoken to us. He's saying that it, the whole system is rigged. It's a rigged game from the inside. If you try to, you know, if you want to join the Liberal Party, you you, just, you have to toe the party line. Same with the Labor Party, same with the Greens. Same, if, if you're an independent, you're probably the only one that has any position to do anything. Uh, the minor parties like, um, you know, IMOP, like Alone Alarm and uh, the mm-hmm. AVN's suggested party and all that sort of stuff. You know, these guys are probably the next best thing. But the, the thing is then they need numbers. They need That's a lot exactly more numbers. It, but they, the thing it's is they're not... Game. It's correct. It's a numbers game. But they just... The, realistically, they're not going to get it. You know what I mean? It's just so but, difficult but to get I, those numbers is, to reach that critical mass. Because what I find is funny is, let's say... You know, it's like I was talking to a few people at the rally and some people saying, oh, you know, it's all rigged, doesn't but But don't you think the funny thing is if, if, if all the people that thought like that were actually like, say, in IMOP in Queensland, 
then then IMOP would no longer be such a minor party. They would be a lot bigger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, of all the people that say, oh, you know, what's the point of voting? It doesn't make a difference. The ironic thing is, if all those people voted for, like, a better, you know, the, the quote-unquote lesser of two evils, then it might actually make a difference, don't you oh, think? Look, I, I see what you're saying. I do see what you're saying, Victor, but we're talking, like I said, the population of Queensland is like 5.1 million. You know what I mean? If you go to the polls on that day and you've only got, you know, one representative in certain areas of the state trying to get in, um, you know, you, you need thousands and thousands and thousands and th- like tens of thousands of people to vote just to just to even get your foot in the door. Um Look, we, we might, well, I don't think we might have like, 2,000 people at a rally, but you know, yeah, even if those 2,000 people voted for you, I don't think it's going to do any difference, to be honest. You need... Well, if you're, talking, if you're talking about local counts, like say, for example, um, yeah, you may not be the state MP, but like say like local councils, like local council issues, there's like about 100,000 people in a, an electorate, and you may need only about 8,000 votes to be on one of the councillors. Mm, correct. So the numbers, I think, are smaller than people realise. But yeah, I suppose to get to get 50% of the vote would be more difficult. That's just it. Because this, this two-party rig system, you know, it's two wings of the same bird, basically. But, you know, we, we've done videos at, on election days at, at polling stations, mate, where we've gone and interviewed the public and mate, it, it, yeah, it, Andy's sitting here like just like you know doing the finger twirl next to your head. Like just it blows you away how people are so, you know. You, you say to them, oh, um, you know, who, who do you reckon you'll vote for in today's election? You know, and a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to tell you that. Or but when they do, they be like, oh, I'm going to go liberal. I think they're good. And you go, oh, why is that? And you just what you look at the blank expression of their face, or they go, oh, I just always have, or we, my family always has, or vice versa with Labor. You know, and they just do it. There's, you say to them, well, how about, you know, what about this party here? They're trying to do this. And do you think that's a good idea? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think you might vote for them? No, I just always vote liberal. Like, it, it, trying to change that mentality of the, the greater public is, it, it's, you're, you're, you're just beating your head against a brick wall, mate. It's, um, it's very hard to do it. You know, and we've, we've, we've interviewed, geez, oh, I don't know, 100 or so people maybe all up over the years that we've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the same thing from every person. You know, you get a few that you go, oh, yeah, they sound, that sounds like good. Or there are people who come and go, I have no idea who I'm going to vote for. I don't know who any of the candidates are. I just have no idea. I'll just randomly pick or I'll just throw it in or I'll just throw my vote away. You know, these are the sort of responses that you get. It People just, to, to people in the public, voting is, is a pain in the ass. They just don't want to do it. They don't want to take part in this system. They just want the system to run and to, to just look after itself. But unfortunately, that's the downside of it because it's running it into the it's yeah it's running us into the ground. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's what I mean. It's that and, acquiescence and... to just letting the system run itself is the worst thing we can do. But unfortunately, that is the mentality of most of the public, and it's very sad. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think you know who who knows what the outcome might be. Will will you know history in in a lot of different nations goes in ebbs and flows, and we don't know whether mm. we're in you know on an uptick or a downtick, but. We shouldn't go down without a fight. Even the people that are implementing the things today that we are upset about, I mean, they've been working on it for like the last 30, 40, 50 years, you know? Oh, longer. Um, yeah, exactly. So I think maybe, yeah, we, we may be in a situation where we are on the downtick, but, you know, that's what I mean. Like, I think people need to get involved somehow, you know, whether it's helping to change people's mindsets, educating people, you know, helping, you know, parties like, I mean, you've got a party like IMOP, I think are doing actually mm. quite successfully in Queensland, aren't they? They're actually, it is. Are, they do doing quite, doing, are they doing quite well? Yeah, I think alone is, and, um, yeah, I thought they're, they got, they're, they're they have doing quite seats, well. Yeah. They? But, and the reason that is because right. they're kind of riding the curtails of like the AVN and, 
you know the the anti we'll say anti-vax but i mean they're they're very much in the wings of that kind of that yeah Yeah, health freedoms and you know freedom of choice type people um which is which is awesome because uh a lot of people are are backing this you know they're starting to understand that sort of stuff there is a bit of a there is a movement it's quelling, yeah, at it's the very least, they could take over some local councils, or you know, and get fluoride out of the out of the waters mm, there. Or agreed. you know, maybe even you know, it's like it's like if 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 they're able to get one NP in a federal electorate or a state electorate over in Queensland, that just shows that they they did make they could make a difference. Like whether you take over the whole country, mate. We're not saying necessarily IMOP will make government, but let's say a party like that that has a can have an effect. Well. You know that that's that's where it starts, and and maybe you know maybe you'll never get to fifty percent, but you may you may make like let's say their their vote may be required to pass something, and they're able to have a say. They can limit the amount of damage. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I understand Never. where you're coming from. The thing yeah. is, though, there's there's people like um like Gap, the Great Australia Party, with Rod Cullerton mm-hmm. and stuff. Where heard um, about them? Yeah, so um I've listened to a few podcasts with with Rod as a guest recently, and. He's he now classifies himself Senator Rod Cullerton in exile because um, George Attorney General George Brandis basically um, had him shut up and you know put all these false charges against him and he's trying to challenge it all and then you know they've they've sort of stopped him and stopped that party in its tracks because they were <laughs> because they were causing such a fuss and um, such a ruckus and trying to actually get things done and put australia back on track and the system bit back you know what i mean like yeah, they'll yeah. do well, whatever the it takes in, right? they'll, so yeah that's but they'll, if, what i'm saying the is this, that they'll do whatever it takes yeah. to, to try and shut you oh. down you know and if you come against that system they'll bite back real hard you know so um it's tricky what i'm saying is tricky. i'm glad that people oh, yeah, like i'm up are doing it but it's definitely tricky um and if they look if, if they can just get a lot more people to vote for them and spread that word then uh yeah we'll be we'll be off all better for it in the long run i guess but yeah, um, I think that might um, we might just wrap that up actually for today, mate. We've um, taken us to about an hour and a half, just about nearly for this one. So, uh, if any final thoughts um, from yourself at all, um, uh, Victor, uh, for today's podcast, mate. Uh, oh, uh, I, I, thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, no, I'm I'm glad people. I feel like people are waking up when it comes to the lockdown. I mean, mm-hmm. even today, you know, I'm talking to the parents at my kids' soccer club and. You know, all of them are starting to think that, you know, this lockdown was silly. But, you know, I, th- I think that's how it works, right? I mean, if people start speaking out against it and, you know, people start changing people's mind and waking people up, uh, you know, the more people that get into the fight, who knows what the future is going to look, da- look like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now uh, for our children and for our grandchildren. So I think we, we definitely don't want to give up on the fight and, and think about what sort of future we're creating for our children. Yeah, I think if it's we can, if we can me. say that we did something, you know what I mean, then absolutely, they can hold us in a higher esteem. We may not have been successful, but as long as we tried, you know, if we think we've got to try, and I definitely agree with you there, mate. Good sentiments there. Um, mm. I did have one thing quickly. I was going to follow up on um, yep. before I throw to Andy for any final comments. Sorry, Andy, I just remembered this as I was as he was speaking then. But um, where are you take good? Because like you said, the you know the restrictions are. Uh, going lower we're returning to a little bit of normality uh in our lives now you know people more more people are going back to work and going to school and all this sort of stuff restrictions are, are lowering where are you taking exercising my rights in in, in future you know you, you sort of like you said earlier you, you you had this come about because you wanted something done and you wanted to do something with it but um are you thinking it's run its course or are you going to keep going with this like what's the next move for for you man 
Yeah, for me, it was always a temporary thing. Like whether or not it turns into something more than that, I guess will be seen. But, you know, for me, it was mainly about, you know, because if you think about the whole exercising and speaking out using exercising really only made sense during this lockdown. So whether that turns into something else, I'm not too sure. But in terms of what is next for exercising my rights, there's still the court cases to cover. And I'm thinking maybe if there are other things to do with the coronavirus or other liberty issues, um, like protests that happen, I might go along to them and just use that as a sort of live streaming platform. So that's sort of what I'm thinking right now. Awesome. I think people like that. Um, it's such a basic and simple image. You know, you've your little logo there with your the headband and you know, when you put the headband <laughs> on and you have the liberty on the front. It's such a simple and, and basic message and image. But it works really well, mate. And I, I think kudos to you for coming up with that and for doing it. Um, I'd say just mate, keep keep it going, even if it's just temporarily in the background. Every now and again, you sort of come out with something, or you just sort of keep keep active on social media at the very least. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I would suggest anyway. Don't let go of it because it's it's. I think it's a pretty good platform you kind of set yourself up there because this whole exercising my rights can be used. Yes, in terms of actual physical exercising, like you've done that sort of you know folk. Um, you know, using the two messages in one sort of thing there, but mm-hmm. um, I think it also, in terms of actually physically, not not physically, but um, you know, literally exercising your rights in terms of the rights that we have as as um, citizens in Australia, you know, and and remembering that we do have certain rights, and I guess maybe sharing every now and again how maybe those rights are trying to be taken away from us, or you know, that sort of thing. Like I think you can probably yeah, yeah, keep, keep that sort of up. You know, just just keep yeah, your finger using on the pulse, it as mate. A- yeah, using it as a platform to promote like libertarian issues. Mm, so I'm, absolutely. I guess in terms of social values, I'm more conservative. But when it comes to economic issues, I'm, I'm more libertarian. So that's why I've been using it to sort of share articles about you know free market economics and the problems with lockdowns and um, and that sort of stuff. So yeah. definitely, yeah. Awesome, fantastic, Andy. I'll throw it to you, big fella. Um, any final thoughts on today's podcast or any other further questions for Victor here? Um, yeah, thanks so much, Victor, for your comments. Um, yeah, look, as we were discussing before, I, I really would encourage you know the Christian community to to really you know maybe maybe listen to this show and many many others. There's so much information out there, you know, like myself and the general and many many others are just like like bombarded with like quality quality information from here in the US in regards to you know, this pandemic and and the, the fake and, you know, libertarian issues we could just go on all day. So for me, there's no excuse, you know, like, um, and especially community leaders, you know, church leaders and uh, even council and political leaders, we've gone beyond the excuse now of like, oh, I didn't know or, you know, I didn't, you know, like I didn't realise it was as bad as what it was. I didn't realise that, the, you know, the the coronavirus was, you know, like a bit of a setup and stuff like that. You know, though it's no longer an excuse. We've been living this thing for, you know, solidly for three months now. So, so yeah, so, um, you know, like our conversation in regards to, you know, church groups and things like that, I think it's getting to the stage where people, you know, need to draw a line in the sand and, like, start working which side of the fence that they're on, whether they're on the side of freedom or whether they're on the side of tyranny um, and uh, whether the interest is in people themselves or big government, you know, like. So, 
So that's where we're getting at with the thing and for, you know, like church churches and church groups to be effective and, and be on the side of people. I think they really, really need to start looking quite hard at, the, at this subject and looking into themselves and, and looking into their into their into their face as well as to you know where they stand and where they want to go um i I think it's really really getting into that and it's not just australia it's also all western countries as well to us and uk i haven't seen any well there's a few but i haven't seen in the mainstream any uh religious leaders standing up on the side of freedom so so yeah, if we can take something out of this podcast, I, I think I'd really like to see you know maybe maybe that being you know like like a bit of a forward direction because you know like def- definitely like say the Catholic community and and these massive groups can uh, like can carry so much weight if if they if they could fling themselves on onto the side of you know onto onto our side of you know pro freedom so. So yeah, so thank you so much, Victor, for your you know courageous stances and 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 your beliefs and and let's 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 push on and 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 get into it and and get more and more into it. So yes, yeah, thank absolutely. You. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thanks. Brother. Cool, thanks, Victor. Thanks. I'll let you go, brother, and uh, I'll send you a link to the podcast once it's live, bro. All right, thanks a lot. Awesome. Okay, cheers, brother. See you guys later. Bye. All the best. Victor. Bye. All right. Um, cool. That was great having having Victor on for this one, mate. We'll just use this. We'll just use this mic and we'll just wrap up the the conversation because you don't you don't need to stay on there. It's all good. You're right next to me, so people can still hear both of us. Um, mate, what do you think of the? I just wanted to mention uh, for all of the the followers out there, what do you think of the stickers, bro? How good are they? <laughs> <laughs> they are really really nice, General. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to whack one on the on the arse end of my car. <laughs> And, and anywhere else you you deem necessary, man. I thought I'd do a bit more of this guerrilla advertising. That's why I opted for it. Not only the only reason I opted for the stickers, because the the main reason I, why I've got the stickers is because, of course, um, with our Patreon system, uh, for those who are following us on there, who choose to support us, like I mentioned uh, in previous podcasts, coming, from, coming soon in Season 3, uh, there will be a lot more content, a lot more podcasts. Like I said, we'll still do a fortnightly episode, which will go up every single time but we'll start doing podcasts weekly so in the off week more podcasts with uh more guests um different topics you know we'll delve deep into a few other issues uh like i said that whole constitution thing before that'll be a great one to put on for the patreon listeners only and this sort of thing will those podcasts will be specifically for the people who are choosing to support us so we've got a couple on board already uh thanks again big thanks to those patreon supporters uh, who are on there now um, I've got the stickers in, so if you're on that um, $10 or above tier, you will get those sent out to you as well. I've actually sent out some to, to Chris Atwood. He's he's one of our sponsors on there. Um, a couple your way, coming your way, Chris. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, you'll already have them. Um, but yeah, so I've got a whole bunch of them to give out. So if anyone wants to, to jump on and support us, they, you don't have to pay for any mailing costs. That's all done by me, myself on this end. We'll, uh, we'll post you out a whole bunch of them. You can start spreading the word or you know, put them on the back of your car or wherever else you want to put them. But there are, at the moment, three tiers uh, on that Patreon system. Like I said, that, that will, we'll tweak that as uh, time goes by. Uh, and in Season 3, like I said, more content coming up for, for all the listeners out there, for, for the ones who choose to support us through that system. It's going to be awesome. 
Um, yeah, so like I said before, this one, will, I'll put this one up. It won't be up today. It'll probably be up in a couple of days because I'm going to throw up my interview, which you would have listened to hopefully by now, with uh, John LeBon as a, a special one coming out uh, probably tomorrow. I'll put that one up live, and then this episode will come out shortly after. Once again, man, thanks for coming around, Andy. He's brought around a few beers for us to share during the podcast, and uh, I thought Victor Victor was good. He was a good guest having a chat to Victor. Yeah, what were your thoughts on Victor? Andy, he's a lovely fellow, yeah. yeah, And I, and I, and I love the, um, the headband and the look and everything that's going on down there in Sydney, raising awareness. It's um, good, eh? It's very good. Look, it's, it's just it's, it's nice. Um, family groups can get involved. Um, you know, I think, I think we're beyond, you know, the whole Renee thing. I don't think... I don't think the police are going to be trying that sort of, nah. you know, bully boy tactic again. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like it's just, you know, if people haven't been, you know, like involved in activism or anything like that before, I think it's in Sydney, I think it's a nice, easy way to dip your toes into it. You know, mm. get out, get out from you know your office computer or and from your from behind your phone, phone and yeah, from your phone in your lounge room and and you know get out, get out into the real world and start supporting some people. So yeah, like we mentioned on the last episode, when you after the freedom rally, you guys were at like the when you're talking about just the vibe and the energy yeah, the was awesome. so good and seeing that many people and like the the videos I think that you guys have got and the videos I've seen from others as well they do it justice because they show you how many people were there it was a big crowd and the the whole like that vibe was so good the vibe was so good yeah. and you know in a time especially from a couple of weeks ago when you you know you, like the whole thing with social distancing and this idiot idiot idea of shaking a man's hand you know with your your elbow and yeah. stuff like that you know and you oh. can't you can't hug your mum on mother's day and this sort of stuff and everyone's you know giving each other big handshakes and big hugs and yeah. we're all laughing and all together you know shoulder to shoulder and stuff like the vibe is awesome and and i encourage people that you know when you have organized events like that like just yeah turn up just go you know yeah. honestly just... you're not going to get arrested you know you're not going to get in trouble go along there's too many there's just too many of us there the police are powerless to do anything to us yeah. you know what i mean like that we've got the numbers and they're just going to let us do what we need to do and it's going to be a that show of solidarity you know yeah, yeah. that's right just got to so, go the yeah, more just, the more of us there the better you just, know just just do it you know like if, <laughs> if you if you're worried about a fine or something now in nah. 2020 wait wait till if nobody does anything wait till 2030 yeah wait till wait till what's coming down the pipe in yeah in 10 years time that's right mate agenda 2030 from the un will be in full swing by then um unless we can do something about it so okay. yeah all right, man. Well, we might just wrap that one up for today, brother. Thanks it's again. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Yeah. Appreciate Andy in studio once again. No Ethan for this one. He's, uh, like I said, he's moving house, keeping uh, keeping the government guessing, changing his location frequently. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He'll be moving to a new bridge. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, really love giving him shit. It's awesome. He's not here to defend himself. That's why. All right. Catch you later, guys. Bye.